welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today, I am joined by a very dear friend, Victoire Slakey, and Victoire is the brilliant human who translated the Gene Keys into French. So I was very, very excited to have her on to unpack this. I've been wanting to have this conversation with Victoire for well over a year so that we could um, dig into the process of translating such an epic multidimensional 
living transmission. As well, Victoire is the creator of the I Am process, so I also wanted to talk to her about that very unique process that she's created and uh, kind of dive in. Victoire, it's so great to see you. I know we've been talking about doing this for quite a while. So clearly 2024 is our year because it's happening. Um, (laughs) There are 5 trillion things that I want to talk to about. And what is super top of mind is that you translated the Gene Keys into French. I am so fascinated by that process by how that was for you. So I'd just love to start with like, how did it happen? How um, did you, how did you step in to translating the Gene Keys transmission? Well, it's, uh, it goes back to like 2015. Um, I discovered the Gene Keys in 2014. And there's an old French joke. I don't know if you know Asterix and Obelix, the two uh invincible gaulish warriors that staved off the romans and it's like a it's like a french classic um and anyway they have a they have a magic potion and the big fat one obelix falls into the magic potion and so then he never needs to drink it again and i kind of felt like i fell into the magic potion of the gene keys not that i never needed to drink them again but i was just kind of continually you know how it is um yeah, just bathing in it, basking in it. And when I did the um, seven well, secrets, yeah? <laughs> I'm curious about that because everyone approaches the Gene Keys differently. So when you discovered it and you were bathing mm-hmm. it in it, did you read the entire transmission cover to cover? How did you approach it from the get-go? I, I did, I did. I fell in through Nassim Haramain that I'd been following and learning from for years. <clears throat> And when, and when I found the, you know, the labyrinth took me to the Gene Keys and I fell in, I ordered four books. <laughs> and you know, when you order from Amazon, they let you start reading on their uh, whatever Kindle version. And so I just, yeah, I just started reading and didn't stop. And then there was the, <clears throat> that was in September of 2014. And then there was the Seven Sacred Seals where we met. <laughs> oh, joy. Oh, joy, which was such a beautiful gathering on Cortez Island in British Columbia, which was all about, you know, basically, as you know, the 22nd Gene Key. And um, and when I came out of that, I was like, this has got to be made accessible to the French people somehow. And I'm, you know, I'm going to I'm going to translate it. I was just like, I've got to do it, you know. And then um, so I started working on it then and. Uh, through Anton and Richard connected, you know, told them what I wanted to do. And they put me in touch with some other people that were also working on it. And so it started as a small group process, which wasn't, um, which didn't end up, you know, lasting for different reasons. And I was left holding basically, basically holding the, uh, the intention, um, the will um, and the capacity to do it. Uh, in the meantime, I did a bunch of other retreats 
um, in-person retreats with Richard and, you know, the, the community. I also did the ambassador program. I left France and moved to Peru. So that also kind of, that kind of, you know, so it was a dotted line. It wasn't like an intensive, like I'm, I'm really focusing on this and devoting all my time to it, but I kept the intention alive and, and, and did keep working on it. And after the 22nd, I thought I'm going to do the 55th, <laughs> you know, it's like, how do so you eat an elephant? When you right? started, did you only translate the 22nd gene key? Well, it's, yeah, that's basically, it took me a long time. I was working on it because it's a long key. I know. I heard myself ask the question and I'm like, only has never been a less appropriate modifier given that the 22nd gene key <laughs> is its own, you know, it could be a book in and of itself. It, exactly. Exactly. And the same with the 55th. So for people who don't know the gene keys, it's a really fantastic book. It's pretty pretty thick. This is an old version that's a little bit bigger, so it doesn't look as thick, but it's got like more than 500 pages. I mean, you really, you know, it's the kind of book that's hard to read in bed because of its weight. <laughs> right. It's not super practical that way. So, you, I mean, you know me, I, I'm such a depth diver. So like, let's just stick with, you translated the 22nd Jinky, and I'm curious to know how did your understanding of the 22nd gene key shift from just reading it to really diving in and translating it into another language? Like, what did that open up for you? Well, it opened up a lot of things, and it did so over time because I did a first translation of it, uh, so starting in 2015, and it took, probably took me about a year and a half. You know, which is a long time for because it, it, it's a, it's a big chapter, but it's you know it's not a whole lot. But again, as I said, I was I was working with other people. I was moving to Peru. There was hiatuses and stuff. But I had also done the retreat, which you know was a really deep dive into the whole core teaching of the twenty second key, which is really about the spirit of grace. It's about the heart. It's about how the heart opens and what causes it to close and how to open it again. So having done a very beautiful retreat that was very generative, it was very transformative for me and I think for a lot of the other people there. Um, I was also already going at it with that, so to speak, kind of like enrichment of experience of having deep dived right into it. So so then, so then what I initially encountered was getting into the groove of actually translating from one language, English, into French. And all of the questions that that brought up in my mind, which was kind of a novice. I mean, I had done translation work before, but not of this ilk, you know, not really. Um, and so that was a really beautiful process that, help me it, it's funny because there's like there's it's like two parallel kind of streams one of them being the transmission of the gene keys itself which is you know it's kind of like a metaphysical esoteric synthesis of you know the wisdom of the ages i would want to say primarily through a christian lens but it does incorporate asian mystical wisdom 
but the the Christ extreme is very strong. So so uh, and also lightly held. One of the things I appreciate about appreciate about Richard Rudd is he tries to remind us all the time just to hold it lightly and not to get caught, you know, in the semantics and and all of the stuff that language can kind of do to people's minds, right? <laughs> right? That's it. <laughs> so so on the hand on the one hand the transmission of the gene keys and of the of the, the, the kind of core 22nd, which is about opening the heart. And then parallel to that, the actual work of translating it, you know, which is an exercise in um, it, it's it's an exercise in it's kind of like multidimensional because there's clarity, there's fluidity, there's aesthetics. Um, there, obviously, when I say clarity, I mean I'm including the respect for <laughs> the original, you know, and the respect for the target. And, and what so, was the target? The French language. Right. And the French speaking people, whether they're French or Swiss or Canadian or from African countries that speak French or, you know, there's a lot of places where French kind of because French was a colonial empire, right? <laughs> like England, <laughs> maybe not as big, but there's that, you know, there's that outreach that, that has, you know, Belgium as well. You know, they speak French in Belgium, but it's a really beautiful language and at the, the turn of the um at the end of the um 19th like during the 19th century and then in the 20th beginning of the 20th century in europe in any case it was it was really considered the language of diplomacy and what about french like i'm always so intrigued by people who speak multiple languages in my mind it's an ex exponential leg up in terms of like neurological nimbleness and being able to see things from different perspectives maybe i'm wrong um, well you're describing my dyslexia pretty well <laughs> How, in terms of like how French is structured versus how English is structured, can you see why it would be a language of diplomacy and what about it would make it so? I think there's a precision in French, which is very anchored on nominalization, whereas English tends to be more based on, on verbs, on processes, although there's a bit of a twist there because... It's also nominalized a lot of verbs, you know, and turned them into things. What does um, nominal mean? It's a noun. It's a thing. It's like you, it. can, you can put it in a box, you know, and, or a wheelbarrow and say, this is, you know, you know, um, this is love. <laughs> love <laughs> is a thing. It's a noun, right? Whereas loving, you know, to love, right? Right. So, so France, French excuse me, French has that, it has this, this, uh, and I'm not like, you know, they're, I'm probably if scholars of French are going to watch this or they're probably going to say, what? yeah, she's missing this and this and that. It doesn't, I'm not, a, I'm not like a French scholar. I, I just have, you know, an understanding, a certain understanding of it and practice and use. And, and yeah, so it really has a lot to do with nouns and, uh, details and um, definitions, defining things clearly, which is really important in diplomacy. 
you want to be able to be super hyper clear. And when you're super hyper clear, you don't need to repeat yourself because the person has gotten it. So French, the French language hates repetitions, oh. right? You know, like in linguistically, I mean, if you're speaking, it's a little bit different. But if you're in the, the written word, you can't really repeat the same word three or four times or more, not to mention more, <laughs> in a paragraph, which is fine in English and which Richard Rudd does all the time. You know, <laughs> the living life stream of the cosmic life. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I'm not saying verbatim, but I, I remember reading the living life stream somewhere. And it's like, you can't, you can't do that in French. So how would you... Yeah, it's interesting because there's like the, the extra flourishes that yes. may or may not um, lend themselves to like new meaning or different meaning. So I'm guessing in that sense, you're because it's like, in my mind, you're juggling allegiances, right? There's the allegiance to the transmission. Yeah, the, 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 the allegiance and the respect to Richard, who was the initial kind right. of conduit custodian of that. And then there's the allegiance to a readable, accessible translation. So I'm imagining right. that you're juggling all of those at the same time. Yeah, in a way, at, at the beginning, especially. And then what happened was it merged because I realized that the allegiance to the translation, to the, to the original, to, the, to Richard Rudd's style and all this stuff is the same as the allegiance that it, it, it needs to be it needs to be fluid. It needs to be, you know, um, the flowers that you're going to give, you know, when they get given, they need to have, they need to be able to be received. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Right. So basically, it, the juggling act was definitely, yeah, it was like a balancing act of, you know, what to prune and what to keep, you know, with, you know, we, we, so, so it was, and, you know, and it, and I guess one of my guiding, one, one of the things that guided me was the tempo, was the cadence, was the, the fluidity, because it's a transmission. So you don't want it to have like, you know, obstacles and dams and <laughs> all this other kind of stuff. It's got this flow, right? Yeah. Um, so, so that, yeah, that's, that's, that's what guided me. And I think it really, it really, there was a marriage at some point that internal marriage of my understanding of, of, you know, being faithful to the whole, you know. So it was a really beautiful opportunity to deepen that sense of totality for me, what totality is. I mean, it's just like, this is just an example of it, you know, it could be, we could find this in all sorts of other exercises, but I do love language. And yeah. I have, I have, I have the, I have the um, advantage of being pretty much completely fluent in English. My mother tongue is French. I learned how to speak in French, but I learned how to read and write in English. 
I remember being so confused. <laughs> and is there like, I'm always curious about like how these languages that shape our brain and our meaning making mechanisms differ. So like, how does the French language in terms of how it sets up the mind to interpret reality? Like I hear what you're saying about nouns and verbs and that in itself is huge because there's a fixity to nouns and a fluidity to verbs that to me feels closer to the truth of the nature of this realm in terms of detachment and everything shifting. But are there other pieces? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because, you know, when I reflect or contemplate the French culture, the French spirit, the French paradigm, whatever you want to call it, I tend to think, oh my God, je pense donc je suis, I think, therefore I am, you know, Descartes, you know, it's Cartesian, it's super left brain. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then you have all of these oddballs, you know, a lot of artists and stuff like that, that, you know, and poets that, that um, you know, because of that fixity, where, you know, found a detachment to, you know, to make up words and to, and to play and to be flexible and plastic with all of this, you know, pretty defined structure, which is, which is a beautiful thing in itself, but everything has limitations in a certain way, right? And the French language also doesn't have as many words as English does, right? Because English is more of a composite. There's like the, you know, the Anglo-Saxon and then there's a, the Latin, you know, and then there's, I forget how many words are in the English language, but it's, you know, a whole lot more than in French. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so yes, that was part, that was part of the conundrum was, was, you know, it's like putting a round peg in a a square peg in a round hole. I was, <laughs> I'm dyslexic, right? <laughs> Whichever way, it doesn't matter. It's like, they don't fit. You know, they don't fit. But, but what they're both, what, what, you know, what Richard repeats as, as, a, as a transmitter of sacred information of wisdom, you know, of, of truth, is that it's beyond words. So that, that kind of right there is like, oh, well, you know, that makes it easier. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's ways, to, there's ways to adapt. There's ways to adapt. And, and I do feel- Can we stay with that for a second? Sure. Because I have that, the more I work with words and, you know, as you know, I'm working with words very, very multidimensionally, the yes. more clear I am on how limiting they are and um, mm -hmm. how yes. ultimately I believe we will evolve out of language. So um, it's like, yeah, I guess it does take a holding it really lightly because you know, we're playing with these tools, we're working with them, but we know that they're not really gonna cut it, but we just need them to like have the right essence or smell or cast the right shadow or, you know, it's like, how do you resolve working with a tool that you know um, is never really gonna cut the mustard for what it's meant to do? 
I love that expression, cutting the mustard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all about, I think it's a, a lot about poetry. It's mm-hmm. about having the liberty to, you know, to, to bend the mind by stepping outside of, you know, the, I, I don't know what the statistics are in terms of like, how rich uh, any lang- any one language is and, and how many, you know, words are used by in, in ordinary, ordinarily by, by the, you know, the, the mass of the people speaking that language. But the reduction comes when, when we forget, when we forget that it doesn't matter, like if we disagree on a word, it doesn't matter. What we need to have is clarity between ourselves on how we respectively define that word that we're not agreeing on, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And so I, yeah, and I so, I mean, I love our, I love how our geekiness here, you know, meets because you're so, I so agree that this is a temporary you know, stage of our evolution using this elocution and these symbols that, you know, have certain like, you know, uh, predestined meanings, although we know that we can change them. Because like dolphins, you know, they, they, they don't speak and they don't speak the kind of language we do and they have sonar and they can see through each other. And it's much more of a telepathic, when we're going to get to that more telepathic, beaming holograms of of experience of knowing into each other i think we're going to save a lot of time and energy and mistakes you know through all of the misunderstandings that happen and um so so that'll be that'll be really cool i i look forward to that i do too (laughs) I've noticed in, in my studies through my work that when I, cause a lot of my examination is conflict and like, I'm, I tend to focus on when is the moment that a conversation turns into an argument? Like what is, what happened that switched mm-hmm. it? And mm-hmm. one of the primary things that I see is that people are not operating out of shared definitions, which you've already mentioned in this conversation. And I see people having fights over things and they're not even talking about the same thing. And if there was just that initial step of like, wait, wait, how are you defining X, you know, whatever this is, that would help cohere from the get-go and just realizing throughout the day, it's rare that we're operating with shared definitions. And just that one piece lends itself to so much incoherence, disharmony, not understanding one another. For sure, for sure. And I think, you know, we have, I, I don't know, my, my sense is that at a certain level, we just have to make peace inside ourselves that there's always going to be well, always is a big word, so I don't mean always, but you know that there's that for a while anyway that there are different. There are people in this world that have different levels of addiction to attachment to what it is that they feel and think, and one of those being the definitions. So arguments happen because I, one of the reasons that they happen is because because we we forget a bigger picture and we just crystallize around, you know, our opinion 
or whatever we we believe even if it's like you know super like this is really important and this is really like my heart is in my you know i feel it in my gut but arguments tend to happen because people don't don't know how to slow down they don't know how to pause and take a breath, you know. And it's funny because we're we're in the middle. We just we just opened with the new year, going out the old year, coming into the new year. This beautiful thirty eighth jinky of honor, which at the shadow level is struggle, <laughs> struggle, you know. And then at the gift level, it's perseverance, and um, yeah, it, it's. I think if if we can if we can just remember to slow down and it only takes one person unless you're with an absolute freak who's just like there's no way you're going to slow this person down they've had too much coffee or you know they just you know it, it is what it is there's different levels of understanding you know through different psyches and it's it's not a value judgment on on the person themselves it's just an awareness and realism that, yeah, this is a complex world. You know, you've got psychopaths, you've got, you know, people who are super altruistic, you've got everything in between, the narcissists, you know, the, the empaths, I mean, the clowns, the teachers, the, you know, all the characters as, you know, in the play of all the worlds in stage, you know. Absolutely. So, I, I think part of my fascination with what you've done which in my head and for a while is very large you know like it's um yeah it's kind of epic in my mind and so because the jinkies is a living transmission it's not like it's not like translating the iliad which not that that would be an easy thing you know or like eat pray love like it has its own um, its own intelligence, but also like all of the layers. I'm curious to know, like, had you, because you said you read the book cover to cover, it seems like you went really deep before you even endeavored to step into translating. So had you already unpacked so much of the keys that as you were translating, you weren't necessarily racked or halted with um, like the illuminations of going so deep? Like, had you already gotten that part out of the way that you could approach it from just like, oh, these are just words and I'm not having an existential moment because of what I, what's coming through? Right. It's, I mean, that's an ongoing dive, you know, into that mystery of what the words of the transmission are basically, you know, the meaning the meaningfulness that they hold. So I certainly didn't feel like I had accomplished. I mean, I, I had the, 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 I, I had the commitment of feeling the love in my heart and the recognition because it's, it's, I mean, it's a mirror. So it just reminds you what you already know, right? Um, which is alive. Because here we are, it's you and I, it's all of us, the people watching, all the, all the other people. I mean, it's like this whole crazy show down here, right? Right. So I, I never felt like it was just words. Because my understanding 
is both incomplete and infinite, right? It's that mystery of, you know, catching up with yourself, right? So, <laughs> so it's been a funny thing. And at the same time, in terms of uh, my personality, so to speak, uh, it was, it was, I appreciate the word epic because for those of, for those of you who know the jinkies and you especially, my dear, because we have a mirroring here in our own charts. There's a there's a section, there's an aspect of the gene keys, which is kind of astrological. So you can you can go and get your hologenetic profile. And as you know, the 56 gene key of intoxication, that's the like the summum of being drunk on love. At the shadow level, it's distraction. So I really don't need a lot to to get it. It's like I don't drink alcohol. You give me just a tiny little bit of wine or beer and I'm good and it's true for a lot of things so although I had read it cover to cover I wasn't one to keep going back and reading again because I was like I got it it's just like I'd be meditating and you know I'd, I'd be meditating and all of a sudden boom I'd have a, a, a certain gene key explode from inside of me like boom it's like oh it's the 47th jinky of transfiguration you know which is transmutation and then I, and then i paint it because i i like to paint uh, when i when i find the time too <laughs> but so so you know i didn't feel like i needed to go back and read the 47 jinky it was like it's is yeah uh, yeah it's like the french thing you don't have to repeat you know it's like mm -hmm. yeah I've, so yeah i got it it's inside me and and that doesn't mean that I'm not open to learning, of course, au contraire, on the contrary, right? But so the 500 plus some odd pages, I basically went through it them with a fine tooth comb mm -hmm. over and over and over again to get it into the French so that it was finally like, and it's not perfect. You know, I'm sure there's mistakes and we can we can make it better. Everything is, you know... Perfectible. Well, there are mistakes in, in the in the regular gene keys. So I yes. mean, that's every book, right? Every book I've written, right. at some point, I'm like, "Where's the comma?" <laughs> right. <laughs> or I'm the same word in a paragraph. <laughs> we all know how important commas are, right? I mean, it can totally change the meaning of a sentence. They're everything. Yeah, I love commas. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of the semicolon. That's <laughs> That bit of punctuation a special place in my heart. <laughs> it does. Uh, same here. And and I, you know, I, I introduced it. Like I put it, I, I, I used it kind of liberally. I was liberal with the semicolon. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is going to be. Because in the other part of the thing, the other thing, the other thing is that depending on which chapter you're on, which key you're on, uh, the cadence in English, Richard's, rhythm the tempo sometimes it's kind of staccato like short sentences well that doesn't work in french i mean unless you're some kind of nihilistic poet or something that you just really want to hit people over the head with you know the endings you know the death and it doesn't work so 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 punctuation was helpful there too to get around that to, you know, make make two short sentences into a longer one, maybe with a semicolon, maybe not. 
And I, I'm not saying there aren't short, I didn't translate any of the short sentences to, to honor that staccato, but, but I, had to, I had to tone it down because it wouldn't translate. Mm -hmm. Were there any surprises that came through, given that you'd already gone through it and you already had it, but in the translation, did things pop up that you hadn't grokked before? Um, I'm sure. I'm sure they did, you know, like my, that, that deepened my understanding. Um, or I, there was, it was weird. I'm not sure if I'm exactly answering your, uh, your question, but I remember a few cases where I read the English and I was like, huh, this is, this is really weird. And I translate it, this doesn't make any sense. And then I reread it again in English and translate it again into French. And then thankfully, my dear friend, Wim, who edited, um, proof proofread, and he did edit, editing, he, he, he found one of those places and he was like, did, did. you know, and, and the weird thing is that I, I had, I don't know what it's called, there's a word for it, but when I had read the English, I had, mistake i hadn't seen the word that made it make sense i had read it wrong right and and so and so thankfully i was able to i was able i was able to kind of recover that mistake and because because i knew better but it but when i compared it's like there was a, a momentary blindness or something you know um so that's that's one way of answering the question, but I'm not sure if I if I have actually answered it. Did your relationship to the transmission change after the translation? Were you palpably different or changed from the task itself? Yes, 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 because because for sure, before the translation, there were some gene keys that I wasn't interested in. I was like, eh. You Which know. keys? Um, the, I think it's the 34th, the majesty. I'm not very good with numbers. Let me check. Um, and then um, I was like, wait a second. This is stupid. This is a, such a beautiful key. So, yeah, for strength and majesty. I don't know. It was just kind of like, you know, the bias you know, when you kind of judge something on, at, at its face value, you know, and so, <laughs> so, so that kind of, that totally changed because now it's just like, I don't know, my understanding of them is that it's gone really more holographic. I see in every key, I see all of the other keys. Wow. Yeah. Um. All right, I'm going to pivot us only, and I'm going to return to this. Um, this is my first interview podcast of 2024, so I'm shifting my format a little bit. So I'm going to save my spicier questions for the last part so we can have it for um, my Patreon supporters, my local supporters. Okay. Um, so what was it like when you finished? Like, I know for me, when I finished just a regular book, like the level of exhaustion is very unique. Um, yes. Yeah, like what was it like for you when you were done and how, yeah, just 
talk me through that process. Well, um, even though I started in 2015, like I mentioned, it was on a high, like it was a high, long hiatus because of the move to Peru. And then there was confusion as to who's somebody came out with the translation and I was like, this is wonderful. And then I was, I was like, Oh my God, it was a horrible translation. I said, we can't, we can't do this, you know? And, uh, and then this uh, French Italian company editor publisher came out of, you know, the woodworks. There's just uh, some of this, uh, you know, uh, business administrative kind of stuff between uh, who holds the rights and all this other stuff. So I actually didn't really start again until 2018 and then only for a little while. And then we actually signed the contract in 2022. And I was building a house, you know, doing, <laughs> so I had other fish to fry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And um, so when I started again in earnest, having signed the contract with this company, um, I think we signed it in June, but I knew I knew it was going to be done. So it was like April, May, I started like getting, you know, serious. And, but I basically sat on my butt for a year, which wasn't very healthy. Because the thing is that it takes time, you know. And um, I think a lot of people nowadays use AI and I use it very sparingly because AI does not understand the words, you know, like I, I use it for my own stuff. Like if I want to make a post somewhere and I write it in English, I'll, well, I actually don't even do that. But I, you know what I'm saying? It's like something like you get an email from or something and then, okay, put it in AI or whatever, but that, you can't use it for translation, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I was, <laughs> at the end, I was, I was, it was like a full-time job, like more than a full-time job for like, like 12 hour days sitting on my butt, which is my choice. I'm not complaining, but yeah, I was exhausted and I really needed to recover my health. Yeah. So, um, so, so I've been, you know, I basically... <laughs> The, the contract was that it would go from, from June and then be turned in in May. But actually it extended because, because I participated very actively. I, I mean, I, I had help for the editing, for the proofreading, but I did also most of it myself, a lot of it myself. And then, and then they engaged me on the cover and, and I, it's just like a baby, you know, so it's, it's not, I'm, I'm, I have this emotional investment, you know, in it so so yeah it was pretty it was pretty exhausting and i'm and i'm i feel like i'm recovered i've recovered you know and it, it's not like a baby in terms of like now i have to you know swaddle it and change its diaper and all this other stuff thankfully it's like okay <laughs> you know <laughs> go be free and say no more <laughs> I find it interesting that you mentioned the emotional investment um, because I've had a similar experience. I ghost wrote a book for a shaman and, you know, it was like 
toiling over every word, but it's not just toiling because we have that love. It's like, there's so much love for every just right word. And then it was the same thing. Then the publisher reached out and they were like, what do you think the cover should be? And it was just like all of this love and my own genius that I put into it. And then yeah. it's for someone else and my name's not on it and I gotta let it go. And the same thing happened with Plandemic too. And just, <laughs> There, I think it's really um, like a beautiful, for me, it reminds me of like the monks who make those beautiful sand mandalas and then they just mm -hmm. wash them away. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've learned so much in those processes of where I can make myself more important than I actually am or, or putting myself up. And I think for me in those instances, it's been extremely humbling to realize I'm just a writer for hire. My job is done and cut the cords and move on. And how like that has been challenging for me, you know, how was that for you to just like kind of let it go and, you know, move on? Mm. That's a, that's a really beautiful um, place to question. And I think there's a difference in that I, I'm not, I actually have my name on the book as a translator. Nice. And yeah. And so, and then there's some, they're starting to trickle in their reviews on Amazon. You know, we, we don't have very many yet. But there's, there's four, and they're all five stars, and some of them actually name me as the translator. So, so in that sense, I, I have this attachment and, and this pride, um, which, you know, I just want to keep saying. I mean, it's not, like, you know, it's not my identity, but it, it, it's something that I am proud of um, and that I want to... I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's not just about the gene keys. It's also just because, because we're still in this verbal phase of our evolution. And I mean, I love words. I love to play with words, you know. I, I love, I don't know. I think there's, 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 you know, there's all sorts of potential, you know, that, you know of, of making magic, in spelling, you know, positively, which... I, I feel as as you do so beautifully in your own work, we have like a parallel kind of you know we also we kind of meet there in, in our respective ways. But but so my my investment and my attachment is a little different because my name is actually on the book. It's, I mean, it's on the inside of page, you know. So in that sense, in that sense, I'm not completely stepped back from it, but. But, but at the same time, I am because it's not my religion. Mm -hmm. I, as much as I love the Gene Keys, and I do videos, I do a lot. I've got like a YouTube channel, and I get inspired, and I talk about them. But it's not my religion. Right. And as much as I, you know, respect Richard Rudd and all that he's done, he's not my guru, you know? And, and I think he's probably pretty darn tootin' glad <laughs> because that's one of the things that he just kind of tries to tell people, remind people. It's just like, you know, turn inwards. This is a mirror. Look at, you know, so, so, uh, so there's other things in life. And, and I realized just recently I've, you know, I was, so I was doing, yeah, writing on the, writing on the, mm, the pride, I guess, and I, and I don't, and again, I'm not using that word negatively, kind of neutrally, you know, 
the pride and the and what I feel is the the just return of a job well done, if I may say so myself, to actually put put up like on my YouTube, well, yeah, I'm I'm an ambassador of the Gene Keys and I'm the official translator, you know. And I, and then I just I just started making videos. I, I'm not, I'm gonna stop. At least this is what I'm feeling now. I'm gonna stop putting that up because it's not that's not how I define myself. You it's know? interesting. I'm I'm glad that we're talking about this because I've I've spent a lot of time like kind of playing with this internally around the things that I know have had a pretty big impact on culture that my name isn't on and playing with my desire for credit. Where does that come from? Why is there what aspects of me feel the need for that external validation and what, you know, working with those versus fighting to get my name on something, right? It's, I don't really have any answers, but I've noticed in myself that like, I, I feel like, um, I get a lot of good work from that. Like I like whatever that is that I've worked with in terms of not having my name on things has allowed me more detachment and freedom um, when I come into right relationship with wanting credit, you know? Anything that can advance our integration of detachment is good, including Detaching from detachment, you know, <laughs> right? My, my favorite expression is everything in moderation, including moderation. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, so it's, it's, I, I think it's the, um, what I, what I'm keen on sharing and that I use the gene keys as a vehicle to share is, what I feel can be a value of my own process because it's all that I really know in terms of sharing something that I feel has light because that's what we're all made out of is, is that magical light. And so getting a deeper understanding of those dynamics between this persona, this artifact of consciousness called the ego, you know, that has needs and that has fears and all this other stuff. And then the eternal ineffable kind of wordless consciousness that, you know, we point to and we call like the I am or the soul or whatever else that, that is really the one that could be driving the vehicle. So, so the detachment enables the shift of awareness and attention from the ego coming back to the center and then deciding, well, in this case, yeah, I want my name on it. And then in this case, I don't, doesn't matter, but you know, it's not going to be for the same reason. So I'm, I'm currently kind of, <laughs> uh, currently yes i'm inquiring and basically questioning all of my motives i love that and i mean that's yeah. that's all we can do for me the the bhagavad-gita was one of my earliest influences oh. you know, the Tao was probably 
well, no, the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn was like, oh. first, you know, and then I would say the Tao and then the Bhagavad Gita. And so I can notice, and you and I have talked about with the 11 in my pearl and my relationship with the shadow of obscurity. And so mm-hmm. going to like, for me, and maybe it's a, a defense mechanism, you know, who knows, but like, I'll go to like, capital L life knows what I'm doing you know, and whether I'm acknowledged for that in this realm, look at the ego that feels that wants that, you know, because pandemic is out there doing whatever pandemic is doing, you know, spirit hacking is out there doing whatever it's doing. My name is irrelevant. Do I really do I want to influence people and have a positive impact? Or do I want to build up my ego, you know, and I, but at the same time, I hear what you're saying of like, how much work goes into these things and what is actually right and fair. But then I come back to like, well, nothing about this realm is right or fair. <laughs> if, if, if I may, maybe not nothing. <laughs> right, maybe not nothing. And maybe one of the things that we're here to do is to bring more of that beautiful fairness in. So, yeah, I think it's an ongoing question of, of context, always, always take into account the context and what is, what is your true motivation. But the life with a big L is what you are, you know? So, so at a certain, there's, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like there's this, there's a sacred balance between the little self that has, a name, rank, and serial number. <laughs> and then the big self that is nameless, you know? And it doesn't mean that the little self should be nameless either, just that our primary source of anchoring is in the big self, so to speak. And maybe, maybe we need to learn, you know, just to... It's weird because some of these things are lessons and some of these things are just like habits of attachments from from the past and from our genetics and all this other stuff of like, well, you know, always being in the shadows of being obscured and not having, you know, not being recognized in your lifetime for all, you know, there's so many friggin' I don't know how many incredible amount of geniuses that, you know, have just gone through the trap door of being forgotten. Like I don't. Did you, did you ever read that book, The Secret Life of Plants? Yes, I love yes. it. Yes, <laughs> right. And it has chapters on these on these people. Like this is Indian inventor, and there's a guy who was planting trees. And I mean, just like, oh my god, these people were like, they should be, they should have Nobel prizes. They should be, you know, screw Mother Teresa. You know, sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but. Especially <laughs> nowadays that we know things that we didn't know before, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. So, so I, I don't know. I mean, just so many geniuses, and and everybody has that spark. So we, I think, I think we should really embrace. I mean, this is what I desire. You know, it's like I love to celebrate you. I love you. You're my friend, and and I'm also feeling that way towards myself. I love to celebrate me. I'm my friend, you know. And it's just like, yeah, let's do this. Let's let, let's just not take it, ourselves too seriously. Let's celebrate 
that we're here and that we're ridiculous and that we're beautiful and that we're brilliant and that we're, you know, ridiculous again or silly or, you know, all this other stuff. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, we need to roll our sleeves up because, because it's not necessarily easy because people get attached to this stuff and, you know, they want to be celebrated so that they can be stars. And, and most of the time they're just like total, like, you know, imposters. Yeah. And I think, I mean, one, I so appreciate the lightness with which you hold the game of life. And I think that's where like our 56, 60 kind of mirroring comes into play because very often like my lightness, playfulness, silliness isn't always embraced, but you know, I love that like, we're going to embrace that in one another. And I also, you know, it's like, there's no wrong way to play the earth game, you know, and I notice that sometimes I'll go scorched earth where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe instead of fighting for credit or not even fighting, but like um, showing up to have my own back and demand that or ask for that, I'll opt to work with the aspect of myself that feels like she needs that. And sometimes I'll decide that feels more valuable for me than this thing. And maybe to my detriment, right? When I look at my career, right? And all the things I've done, it's like, okay, but again, it's like my higher devotion is to my awakening, my enlightenment, the career part is secondary. So it's all, you know, it's all, it's all Leela, it's all play. for (laughs) clicking that subscribe button, for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, You can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rocking day. See you next time, superstars.